Happy New Year, friends. In this final episode of Season 1 of NC Raw, episode number 41, we welcome the man, Mr. Tom Shanahan. Tom is the author of Spiritual Adrenaline, A Lifestyle Plan to Nourish and Strengthen Your Recovery. And in this, in this show, we talk to him about both the book that's coming out in a couple of weeks and also the event that he had um, here in Bryson City, North Carolina to kind of like release the book and engage the local community. Uh, it was an awesome conversation. I would thoroughly suggest you guys um, picking up a copy of the book if you haven't ordered it already. They have it on Amazon for like 12 bucks, and it's shipping out on January 8th. So get your order in, and uh, you'll have a copy of it within a week. So um, I, I can't wait to get my hands on my copy. So totally enjoyed the conversation. Tom is a super knowledgeable guy. Uh, I learned a ton from him, and I can't wait to dig into the book. So uh, with all that being said, give it up for Mr. Tom Shanahan. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Ready, set, go. Tom Shanahan. Good to be here. Welcome to North Carolina, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> is this uh, your first time visiting the state? Yeah. Absolutely not. First of all, I was on the other side of the mountain not too long ago with my mom. We went to Dollywood and then Gatlinburg, and we went up into the park, and we did some uh, hiking up in Smoky Mountain National Park. And I've been to your state uh, before as well to do some kiteboarding out on the, on the Atlantic coast, Cape Hatteras, uh, also the beach out there, and back and forth between Raleigh and, and the shoreline. So it's a big state. It's a beautiful state. But I'm really excited to be here in Cherokee and in Bryson City uh, doing something with Caleb McCoy, Caitlin Ledford, yourself, to talk about um, what I think is a really critical moment in the addiction recovery field, and that's this uh, growing active sober movement that is uh, changing the way people live 
all around the country and the world. So thank you so much for having us. You're, you're playing a influential role in that growing active I'm trying. Movement. I'm trying. You know, I, I, back in 2012, I had the idea to write a book about the lifestyle that I was living, which I hadn't heard about or had anybody really uh, teach me in the context of the recovery community. And so I started writing that book in 2013. And as I wrote the book, I said to myself, this is crazy. There is a whole grassroots movement happening like all around the country. And nobody's really talking about it. And there's no place for people to, to go in the sense for like-minded people to be organizing and working together. And I couldn't believe it. So I saw that as a gift from God and really an opportunity to become the person who maybe could condense into uh, one book a how-to manual to restore your physical health along with your mental health in addiction recovery. And at the same time, give the history of the active sober movement and introduce Sorry. people. That's okay, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Slams the, his mug Was leaked in too many ways <laughs> and, this morning. And, and introduce people all over the world to the leaders in this emerging sober movement. And so two of them are sitting in the room with us right now. That's Caleb McCoy and, and Caitlin. And so it's really exciting. That's why I'm here. Caitlin is, uh, excuse me, Caleb. Uh, is a chapter inspiration in my book. He's among, I think, the first in the book. And the reason I put him first was I was just so blown away by his decision earlier in the year to run 777 <coughs> miles along the Trail of Tears to highlight what's happening in his own community, his Cherokee Woo! nation here. So yeah. I, I say anybody who's going to do that is someone I want to know. And you know, gets he's going to be in. So the book had already been laid out. I don't know if you know this, but it had already been laid out, and it was kind of late in, in the in the process. But I, I spoke to my publisher about it, and everybody agreed we're going to make the edits and we're going to change it around and get them in the book. So that's so awesome. You hear that? Uh, I was on the run. Guy. I was on the run, and I, I mean, he messaged. He's like, "I need you to get me this information. Like, you need to write that, sit down, and write this stuff down, so I can put you in the book." And if I'd have known that he was going to put down everything that I wrote, I'd have made it some big immaculate, you know. <laughs> um, but I didn't know, and I, I was tired at that time. But I, I just—that's what made it so perfect. Is he didn't know? Yeah, he did it because he wanted to do it because he's the real deal. And so, I mean, it's a beautiful thing when you do something without the goal or the intention mm -hmm. of making it about you or for your own personal gain, and it turns out because he did the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you became part of part of the story. It's exactly you, what we were talking about outside before we started to being true to yourself and that kind of genuine authenticity. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think you know a lot of times whenever because uh, it, it's hard whenever y'all start talking like oh you know Caleb it's it's hard for me because I, I I try to make sure that I'm in check with my humility and you know my humbleness and everything and so when y'all start saying that it gets you a little uncomfortable but then okay. I'm like I'm gonna tell you when to when to start <laughs> worrying okay when he starts saying. Talking about himself in the third person. You know, <laughs> Caleb McCoy, <laughs> when he starts that, Caitlin. Check you, who you think? You think about somebody? I'm thinking about somebody, but we're not going to put him on blast today. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, the outcome of this idea, this concept of you starting this book, <clears throat> led to spiritual adrenaline which then kind of like grew into this sort of community because you were reaching out to guys like Caleb right. and others who were right. featured in the book right. 
and building those authentic relationships with them. Right. Right. I mean, I looked at, let me just go back for your viewers so they understand <clears throat> how it all started. Okay. So when I got sober back in May, 2011, I went into a rehab at 140 pounds and I left at 177. And I continued to put more weight on in early recovery. And I actually started smoking more cigarettes in early recovery than I had smoked in active addiction. Okay. And so I came to a point where I started to realize, like I go to a meeting or whatever and people are smoking outside, I'm outside smoking, I'm leaving the meeting for a smoke in the middle, that kind of a thing. We go out to eat afterwards and we go to like a diner or a pizzeria. And I started to really recognize, and I'm speaking for myself, but that the lifestyle wasn't consistent with what I was going to the meeting for. I didn't feel that I had changed much in my lifestyle uh, in a manner that was consistent with living as a sober person. Like, for example, smoking, and I, I, I'm not being judgmental. I smoked for 24 years. But there's no one who can look me in the eye and tell me that smoking is not a, a drug. It's not a drug, and, and it doesn't impact you in the same way drugs or alcohol do. Absolutely, um, it does, know, yeah. I mean, it does. All my friends were smokers. The places I went, the way I walked to places was around when I could smoke. You know, I'd go to an airport and I can't wait to get where I'm going. I can't take it. I can't take it. Maybe I can smoke it. Maybe I can I sneak a cigarette, you know, in the bathroom. You did. I, no, too. I didn't do you that. Plan, I mean, but, but you, you know what plan, I'm talking about. Yeah, you're like you plan your life around the drug. Right. And that's so smoking is consistent with um behaviors. To make a long story short, there was nobody really talking about the lifestyle issues in the recovery, the 12 step world or that I was part of. So I went outside the program for that, and I met people at the gym. One is named Mike Foley. He's a sports nutritionist. And then another one, Dr. Michael Bedex. And Mr. Foley, Mike got me started on eating right. Like I would go out during my, my workouts. I would go outside to smoke a cigarette, like, and he would come outside and go, why do you bother coming here? At the, at the gym. Yeah, yeah, at the gym. <laughs> why are you here? Why you? Why do you even bother? That was me. <laughs> what did you? What was your answer? What was your? I was embarrassed. Like I mean, he made me really. It's a simple truth in life. So I was just like, he's right. I would get mad. Caleb would be like, I would. She would run multiple miles. I would and jump run, off. I didn't and know smoke that. a cigarette. I didn't know and roll, that. Run a bunch of miles and then smoke right afterwards. <laughs> and then when he would. Point, like <laughs> call me on my BS, I'd be like, "Well, I can do it." Well, then, I, I was dipping skull at the time. She's like, "Well, when you stop dipping, I'll stop." So we did. We stopped the same day. Wow. Oh, I, I wasn't even aware of that. So you know what I'm talking yeah. about. And then, so um, Mike Foley got me started on the nutrition end of it. Um, Doctor Bedix, Michael Bedix, who's also up in Portland, Maine. You know, he said to me once, like, you know, you really should have your blood tested because you've been. I smoked for 24 years. I did drugs for about 20. He's like, you know, you should see what's happening inside your body. You can't mm -hmm. see that on the outside. Never heard that before, right? And so I was really skeptical, but I said, okay, let me go. So I did. My blood work showed I had five times an increased risk of heart disease. All right, it showed I had high white blood cell counts from, I think, inflammation from the smoking and also my immune system reacting to, um, to, the, you know, to the trauma I was putting in my body under um it was just my blood work told me i, mean, I was oh, pre-diabetic or almost pre-diabetic 
it just told the story of all the abuse my body had taken. And no one, I'd never heard that before in recovery community. So I wanted to write a book that brought and integrated these issues into an existing program, the lifestyle issues. And so um, that's, that's what gave birth to uh, spiritual adrenaline. And then there are people, there's a handful of people in the country now, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, that are leaders in this movement. They've been doing this a very, very long time. All of them had that same epiphany at one point. They were, quote-unquote, sober, but they didn't feel good, and they weren't happy. You know, they weren't happy. And so all of us have had that similar um, experience and circumstance, and, uh, you know, it's great to be among those like-minded people because there were times I said to myself, maybe you're just crazy, Right. Maybe, um, you know, you shouldn't necessarily worry about those issues because you're not doing drugs or drinking. But I think my experience and the experience of the people who comprise the active sober movement is that we weren't necessarily happy. We were more abstinent than sober. Mm -hmm. And with the lifestyle modifications and adjustments, we were able to develop a lifestyle that enhanced our willingness to abstain from uh, alcohol and drugs enhanced it, not undercut it, and that let that led to true physical and emotional sobriety. Mm-hmm. I such trailblazing stuff, Tom, for real. Like just hearing you talk about that, and I mean, just that's my passion. You know what I mean? Like I, know. I, I love coming to the gym. I love helping people, you know, uh, on their fitness journeys, and you know. And push, helping them push themselves to places they've never been before, and just mm-hmm. seeing the the um, the joy in their lives from that feeling of accomplishment and feeling of taking care of their bodies, and, and you know, I mean, because it's a it's it's something that you do not only for yourself but for your families, for mm-hmm. your your loved ones, and everything. And I think it's very important. I think there's a high high percentage that struggle with that, like you were saying, you know, just the. Uh, Getting into recovery, gaining all the weight. I mean, that was my typical evening was let's go out and eat dinner. Then after dinner, let's go to a meeting. You Mm -hmm. know, that was hanging out for us. And it wasn't, we weren't going to get no vegan, uh, vegetarian type or healthy food. It was fried foods, meals. Billy's steak and cheese. Bean bread. Bean bread and flatback greens. (laughs) But that's that's the truth of it. And then like just like, you know, like cigarettes. For me, anytime I got stressed out, even though I was abstaining from using drugs, anytime I got stressed out, aggravated, mad, whatever, I use cigarettes as my coping mechanism. Let me just give some context to the conversation because there are probably, no, not probably, there are people out there, I haven't looked at the messages that are coming in as we're speaking, that are saying, you are full of it, you're a jerk, if I'm not drinking or doing drugs, that, you know, that's enough, oh, and yeah. you know what, this is an outside issue, and it's not appropriate to have this discussion in the context of addiction recovery. Well, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I mm-hmm. respectfully disagree, but let me, let me tell you why, it's not just my opinion. The Mayo Clinic put out a a study a few years back, and they did a very exhaustive study on deaths of people who had acknowledged they were part of the recovery community. 52% of all people who acknowledge or admit being part of the recovery community died 
of some type of smoking-related illness, Mm -hmm. either from smoking and active addiction or from continuing to smoke after they, they quote-unquote, became sober, number one. Number two, there's no dispute on these facts. These these statistics are real. If you look at, uh, there's a whole host of studies that talk about type 2 diabetes and hypoglycemia in the addiction recovery community. People who are presenting at rehabs, inpatient rehabs, uh, if, when the ones that are tested, anywhere between 65 to 92% of people coming into inpatient rehab are either type 2 diabetic or hypoglycemic. It's a major problem, blood sugar problem, uh, disease in the addiction recovery community. And it's directly related to the intake. You know, like alcohol is a huge amount of sugar, it's a huge amount of glucose. Mm-hmm. So it's calorie rich, completely nutrient deficient, and comprises the vast majority of the diet of an alcoholic. And so, you know, we have to take into account these types of abuses of our body. And, you know, I think many people who do get sober and don't necessarily recognize that the internal damage that was done to the body yes. yeah. is there and needs to be worked on. And one, one last thing, too, I think is really important to mention. Type 2 diabetes used to be called adult-onset diabetes. They changed the name of the disease because teenagers, people in their 20s, their 30s, are now being you know, testing as right. being type 2 diabetic. Right. That's a dietary issue mm-hmm. okay and it, it's bad enough in the general population but when you get into the recovery community bill w who founded alcoholics anonymous and this so this goes back right to the beginning of the 12 steps said you should avoid the sister foods to alcohol the sister foods to alcohol were french fries and other oh, types yeah. of sugars and carbs exactly and so this is not a new concept it had been there in the beginning of the founding of the 12-step community. Somewhere along the lines, and I'm not sure exactly why, the, the lifestyle message was, you know, uh, got lost in all of this. But what we're talking about is completely consistent with what the founders of the 12 Steps, Bill Wilson, Dr. Bob, and Dr. Silkworth, were talking about in the 1930s. And the statistics show people who incorporate these types of lifestyle changes have a much lower relapse rate and a higher satisfaction mm. of happiness mm. in sobriety. That's so and true. That's what, that's what it shows. That's so true. And I mean, that that's just living proof for me anyways because like the healthier I get, the stronger I get, I just have so much joy, mm, you know, and, I, and it's, it's proven, you know, the endorphins and all of that. But I wanted to kind of mention just about, you know, you're talking about type 2 diabetes and i i mean studies show the the proof about the um in the recovery community but also to take it a step further for native americans yes, how prevalent you know, it is in our yes, communities it's just, i mean you throw that on top of you know on top of being in recovery and 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 not having a a good environment that promotes healthy lifestyles not only just abstaining but all around well-being. I, as a as as a man of God and as a Christian, yes. I, I want at the end of my time when I have to go in front of my God and He says, "What did you do with? That? Was you a good steward of the time that I allowed you? 
I don't want to sit there and be like, you know, or be told, well, you could have lived 10 years longer if you'd been taking care of the body I give you. Mm. I, I don't want that. And so I think about that, and I, I think about how much the destruction I put my body through when I was using drugs. Let, let me ask both of you, because you're both people who are very firm and you share about your Christian faith. Mm-hmm. When your body, when you were abusing your body, was it possible for you to feel this, a spiritual connection to God or a higher power? And how is it now, if at all different, that you're taking care of your body? Are you more able to connect on the spiritual level? Because I think this is a huge thing that people need to understand. So for me, I had so many things blocking that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Blocking that, um, my connection. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so like for me, ultra running. I don't have no, you know, I'm not using anything like even caffeine. I, I tell Caitlin now because a lot of times before my races, I'll, I'll take a, a, I'll drink a cup of coffee or something. So now I'm trying to stay away from that. Just I have a lot of my best downloads whenever I'm not using anything, mm-hmm. right? It's like a fast for me. I can talk to, I can talk to God, you know, and I feel like I'm in direct contact with Him during those times. So yeah, I mean, just not using, not, not having any any junk food, any, any, you know, those bad carbs and everything. I feel, I feel a lot closer to God. It, it clouds my thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, um, I can honestly say that when I was using drugs, or I was completely surrounded in darkness. And there wasn't any, I couldn't, I wasn't even listening, you know? But now, being where I'm at, I can actually, I'm actually listening. But I do, like, um being able to to pray and connect and just have that conversation not only for myself but for others as well and then you know just to uh because i did i'm not gonna lie tom this morning i woke up even last night i was praying for strength because <laughs> i was like i'm getting ready to go work out with some some intense tough people and i'm like god <laughs> give me that strength and had you know if i was in any other kind of a mindset i wouldn't be able to connect with him because I, I Tom, did we answer? Your I questions? didn't. You did. I didn't train like Caleb did to go on that run. I did not train like he did. Well, you didn't even expect to go for as long plan- as no, you went. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't <laughs> even planning on any of that. And God made a way. I truly believe that. I think that if I wasn't supposed to be out there when I was, then there would have been things that would have kept me here. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but I feel like you know when you just. I mean, he gave me that strength. He provided that way. And he, he, it's just, it's amazing because I, I mean, I ran my first mile in, in January. Wow. And then was running with him like over 400 miles. I know. Six months later. We hear, you know, when we was out there on the run and we had my mom, she'd be like, we'd hit a wall and be like, well, I don't know. It's, it's too, you know, we can't go any further. And she's like, y'all stayed up for weeks at a time. You can't run a few more miles. <laughs> Um, I just want to stop for just a second, Rob, and give uh, the amazing Robin Duncan a shout out. Yeah. We're coming to you live from uh, Shift Wellness here in Bryson City. Uh, so I just wanted to let her, you know, let her know how much we appreciate her. And thank you for that. Thank her. you, she, Robin. She let us work out here this morning, and it was a real kick in workout. And what I love about this gym too, not only is it a great gym, but you can. We were able to see the sunrise from where yes. we were working oh, yeah. out over yeah, the Great Smoky view. Mountain. That was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. On just things like that, you know. I mean, if 
we wouldn't notice things like that, <laughs> <Right>. you know? <laughs> I mean, the beauty and things and, and the creation and stuff. And just, I mean, like you were sharing this morning, just being on, you know, on Mount Everest and, and just being able to take that in. And We're going to have to go with you next you know, time. You know what I say? About <laughs> I know, you leave <laughs> You're more than welcome again. to. <laughs> Talk about that training, let me tell you. <laughs> That's something you want to train for. What's interesting about what you said is what I realize now is, like sunrises and sunsets are some of my favorite things, right? And I love when I'm there to enjoy them, right? But they're going to happen whether I'm there to enjoy them or not. Yes, yes. Whether I choose to even acknowledge. Like I remember walking around New York, New York City where I live, you know, and be so tired and miserable and broke, you know, all these different things. Looking down at the cigarettes on the floor I'm just like you know growling to myself so you know now I woke up I'm looking up I noticed like the sun setting in the distance sometimes on the west side I noticed the bright lights I see like parents with their kids in the glow in the children's eye when they see Times Square like there is beauty all around us oh yes whether we choose to acknowledge it is up to us right you know and so I think that that's been probably one of the greatest gifts to me is that my eyes have been opened, you know? I really do believe that. And that, that beauty is really just amplified here where we live because of, like, oh. the seasons and the mountains. And, like, I'll li- I, I have a pretty epic view. And no matter it's what time good. of the day, no matter what time of the day I look <laughs> out there, it's, it's badass, right? <laughs> but it's different every single moment that I look out right, because the right, cloud right. formations and certain amount of light coming in or out and then whether there's leaves on the trees and what color the leaves are. But I always make sure I notice it like throughout the day. Like I always just like gaze out and um, periodically and just notice that it's unique in this moment right now mm-hmm. today. What was that progression like, Tom? When you said you started eating healthy, like you, you approached yeah. it with nutrition first yeah, was your first of... was your first action that you took right well, it was addressing your diet yeah it was the diet so like um i really i it sounded conceptually like a good idea but it's really hard in the beginning and so um in the book you know i write about this a lot you don't it's just like it's not a in the book there's it's not a fad diet mm-hmm. it's not something it's not like a 30-day thing you do it and you go back to whatever you're doing it's a lifestyle. That's and the right. way you change, the way you create a lifestyle is small incremental changes over time that both you like and number, number two are, is sustainable. That you can start to see the, you know, the positive consequences of the action and it builds your own buy-in into these changes. So for me, it was not eating the jelly donuts and the culottas I, th- I actually would go to Dunkin' Donuts and think I was having a culotta. <laughs> it was a fruit drink. So I, was, I was healthy. I, I swear to God. I know it was full of sugar and it's not real fruit. It's, you know, I, I'm not making this up. Like, I thought that was a healthy thing to do with two jelly donuts. So, you know, I mean, it was little changes. And you got the fruit from the donuts, it, right? Exactly. No? <laughs> it's just crazy. But, like, you know, it was, it was like I, I was so used to eating fast food uh, as, a, as I wasn't able to cook my own food. I didn't have the time, take the time to do it. So it really it was just starting to have fewer uh, outside meals per day and start to actually prepare my own breakfast, you know, those kinds of things. And then like, because I did every six months, this is again all in the book, like every six months I would test my blood and we started to see changes, like positive changes on 
what was the um, what was happening inside of my body. So I thought that that was a remarkable thing to see mm-hmm. that because I was really concerned when I got my first blood work back, and then like. He got me because I was like, I'm not writing down what I eat. What are you, crazy? I don't have the time to do that. Well, first of all, when I was chasing my drug dealer, I had all the time in the world. Plenty of time. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so let's be real. Yeah. Okay. And when I was at a bar, I go, I go to a bar and say, oh, I'm just going to stay for two drinks. Well, when they closed at four in the morning. Right. So, <laughs> so you, you find time for your priorities in life. Okay. Right. Mm. So um, I started logging about my food, which was I mean, it sounds hard, but it's really easy once you get used to it. And what was interesting is I wouldn't want to write down certain things I was eating. Because <laughs> you had right. shame and guilt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like... So I, you I really would conveniently sh- not right. log. So I stopped mm-hmm. logging. I wouldn't log those things. But Mike Foley, he's, the best. he's, he's been doing this for over 20 years. He's over um, about 20,000 clients probably now. So... I would go in, I get, he would measure my weight and my body fat every week, and I would omit um, items from my food log. So my weight, my <laughs> weight would go up and, and my body fat would go up. He goes, so what did you really eat? I uh, said, oh, it's right there in the log. He's like, no, it's not in the log, because you wouldn't have got <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, he was like the first person who called me out on that uh, kind of stuff in my whole life. And so I, then I started to think about it. Okay. Why would I want to put something in my body that I'm so upset I'm eating it that I wouldn't write it down? (laughs) I didn't want evidence, okay? And why would I eat things so in secret? It's very much like drugs, drugs, right? right? So, you know, that made me think. And then as I got more honest with myself, it became easier to actually eat more clean food and actually be able to write down my whole you know, diet or my, what I was re- eating on a weekly basis. And I think it's it all like, it's kind of like dominoes, only in a positive way. It's like the same thing is true in the negative way when you're around drug dealers or people that are in active addiction. There's a whole set of dominoes and consequences that you can't foresee, but they come naturally because of the people, places, and things you're around. Um, but as I started to eat more appropriate foods staying away from the sugars and the caffeines, my br- something else magically happened. My thinking slowed down. I wasn't as jumpy. I wasn't as impulsive because the sugars and the caffeines really, really played a role in that. And then the smoking became much less desirable because it didn't fit anymore. But I couldn't stop because it's, they put over 2,000 chemicals into a cigarette. They, they create the cigarette so it can get deep, deep, deep penetration into your lungs. And it's, the, I thought, the hard, by far the hardest drug to quit. But it just didn't fit anymore. And the cleaner I lived in the context of my exercise program and my nutritional program, the more it became crystal clear to me that I had to stop smoking. Two, so two years after I gave up alcohol and drugs, I stopped smoking. Hell yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was like five years, five plus, wait, five, five plus years ago. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Thank um, you. And then afterwards, you're like, man, I can't believe I ever did that. Yeah, <laughs> you've, you've been that's to. How I, I, that's how I am now. Um, you've been to Everest Base Camp twice now on the money <laughs> No, I've been, I've been to, I, I actually, on my anniversaries, you know this, I thank you yeah. for reminding me. So on the anniversaries of my quitting smoking, 
um, which is September 27th. Uh, this is the actual date. Uh, I try and do something to celebrate not no longer being a smoker. And amongst the things that I've done as part of that celebration is, you know, I went, uh, did uh, surfing in Costa Rica and, and a hike, you know, in the beautiful yeah. part of Costa Rica. Do I got to hang out with this guy? Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro at 21,000 feet, oh, the highest is peak in Africa. I climbed Mount Rainier in Washington State. And then I just came back to 14,005. And I just came back from climbing, um, up, uh, trekking, it's called there, up to the Mount Everest Base Camp over nine days. We were eight wow. days up and then five days back down to 18,500 feet. And I got to stand at the foot of the, the, the glacier. You know, the, the main glacier on Mount Everest is large enough to fit into the Grand Canyon. Just to give you some perspective on the, on just how massive everything up right. there. Right. It, it, it boggles goodness. the mind. And I was standing there, like at the foot of the glacier at the camp, and I was looking around. Mount Everest on one side, the fourth highest mountain. I can't remember the names. One other side, the eighth highest over here. And I'm just like, this is like, this is what it looks like in heaven. Seriously, like I felt so goodness, connected to God. Awesome. And the great thing was. My, and this is what's so true. And, and again, I, I keep saying it, in the book, I, I talk about this. See, I think that God knows we're all human. So that means we're fallible, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, he, God, so God thinks of everything. So what he did is he created a body that you can restore to health on, even, on, even after years of extreme abuse. Mm -hmm. My lungs functioned wonderfully. I don't have okay. any issues. Climbing, um, even up to the elevations of 21,500 feet, I just don't. My liver function, it was bad in the first uh, tests, has been restored. And this is like the message for people who maybe think, well, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get to restore my body to health. You can do it. That's right. Mm -hmm. yep. Your lungs, your liver, the other organs, the brain have the capacity to heal if you show them the respect they deserve. Come on, Tom. That's good stuff. I want you to just share because, you know, we have a group <laughs> that we're wanting to take to the Pacific Coast. And, you know, it's one thing for us to, to, to explain to them, like, some of the experiences that we had on, on the run to Oklahoma right. and whatnot. But this is like, I mean, you've been to all these different amazing places. I mean, what can you give them some encouraging words or some inspiration, you know, some insight on just the um, the emotions, the feelings that you, I mean, you encounter by doing those things? I, you know, this, here's the thing. I think there's so many people who profit off our own self-doubt in mm -hmm. ourselves. Because, you know, you see, if you watch TV or if you, on the internet, you know, this, the people, you know, weight, people talk about weight and there's fat shaming going on. And, you know, people are made, I think, oftentimes to feel less than. And if you want to be, uh, you know, a, a popular or whatever, you should use this type of, wear this type of clothes that are really mm -hmm. expensive. It's all, right. none of it matters. I mean, here's the deal. What I tell people in recovery, like especially in the context of trying something new like that, when I was in active addiction, I always wanted to fit in. Yeah. And I wanted everyone to like me. My message to them is to fit out. Let everyone else fit in. Let them buy the expensive clothes. Fit out. 
challenge yourself. Yeah. Mm. Step out of the comfort zone, right? And do something that you don't think you can do to push yourself because that's where life begins. And I also think that when you're in nature and you're out, like just driving to this gym along the river, I'm in love. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. The Smoky Mountains. The, the, tree, the, the tree comes out while he was it, late. He, he was checking out the river. I, I was watching. I actually was looking at all the. I mean, it's just spectacular. He got lost. But, you know, if someone. Um, I think we lose the connection to a higher power. I mean, clearly. The only connection we have is with the devil looking down at, you know, what's on the ground. That's how I look at it from my own point of view. So the reality is to be back in nature, I think, in challenging yourself connects you both to your own internal spirit mm -hmm. and then also to a higher power because you're surrounded by a majesty that's been created by something greater than us. And I, I just feel that being in that environment and being around people like Caitlin, like Caleb, like Rob Archuleta, uh, Sheena Archuleta from Addict to Athlete, like the folks at the Phoenix, like the folks at Rock Recovery Fitness, like, let me put it this way. When, when I climbed... Mount Kilimanjaro, I had a really bad, hard time, but I was with a group of people that pushed me to keep going up mm -hmm. when I wanted to turn around. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you can continue to make it. So if, if you surround yourself with those types of people, you're going to make it, and you're going to have fun, and you're going to have a greater belief in yourself and your capabilities that grows exponentially over time. So I say, you have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain so get out and live because you have one life and you can't hit rewind so live it today and make the most of it oh, you about had me crying i'll tell you what man you're inspiring you, me <laughs> yeah you start thinking about and that's so true the, iron the, sharpens iron the things that you thought were so impossible unimaginable and then just going out and and, and doing it that's just there's, <sighs> there's more to life than just sitting in your you know I encourage people all the time to be chasing their dreams. And if your dreams aren't scaring you, then they're not big enough, you know? <laughs> Let me tell you one other funny thing. When, when I used to get drunk, I'm always like, I want to go to Dollywood. I want to go to Dollywood. You know? <laughs> but I, I never went to Dollywood. But <laughs> I didn't have the money and the time or whatever, you know? But like in sobriety, I went to Dollywood and I took my mom with me and we had the absolute best time. So, you know, again, I think this might resonate with some of your listeners out there. It's right. like, all the things you wanted to do but you didn't do when you were in, right and you know because your drug or your alcohol was your priority are now possible right. for you to yeah, do right. doing. that's so cool yep what's that Rob oh, the... we have a visitor here we have a visitor is that Robin oh Shannon Shannon no, it's Shelly. 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 Oh, she's... What's she can come on in. Um, go ahead. And go ahead. You can move it yeah. for now because the camera's on <laughs> on Tom. So come on in. Um, can we put that over here, Rob? The camera? Yeah. Like move that box on the table and put it right here. I don't know if it'll get a good shot. I wanted to know... Um, you were talking about how difficult it was to quit smoking. Yep. I want to know what type of techniques or approach you might have. Good matter. question. Um, let me... <laughs> I'm really glad you asked me that. It's not the answer is not going to be what anyone expects. But so here's the thing about the cigarettes. So when I started to realize that they had to go, um, I tried everything I could possibly do. I tried um, 
the past, and I actually have a page on my website that talks about various smoking secession try attempts that I made, and then also um, other people's experiences. So I tried the patch and I tried the gum, but w- the reality for me was those didn't break the um, desire t- for the nicotine, mm-hmm. right? So it just kept me even wanting the nicotine more, and I started to really feel my heart. Like I could feel the nicotine going in when I had the strong patches on. So I tried that. I tried Shantex. Shantex actually worked, but mentally I just wasn't there. And so I, I tried everything. I was ready to give up to smoking. And I came home one night. I'm like, this is going to kill me. Because I was actually wheezing quite badly, like a, a city block or so. And I just happened to turn the TV on. And there was a, um, a documentary about Buddha's life narrated by Richard Gere on the PBS station. And I just started to watch it. And um, I didn't know that Buddha was, I didn't know his life story, that he was a prince. Siddhartha? Yes, Siddhartha. That he left the the palace, snuck out at night. Mm -hmm. And that, here's where it gets important, that he tried and failed for six years to um, find enlightenment in Nirvana. So, I was blown away by the story. It was a great documentary. And I said, you know something? Because I just figured Buddha got it just like that, right? But it really resonated with me because even Buddha took six years to find enlightenment, but he didn't give up, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm not going to give up because I was really close to giving up. And I said, let me just start following a little bit more what Buddha's teaching. So I started going. This was in August of uh, the year I quit. I started going to morning yoga every morning at 7 a.m. And they have like a chanting and meditation portion of it. So 30 days into that, and then I would practice meditations at night, I was able to quit. I just had my last cigarette 30 days after that documentary. And I, and I continued to do daily yoga almost every day for a year because it just helped me to breathe through it and make it easier. And it slowed my mind down. I think that cigarettes, um, the desire to smoke comes from this impulsiveness that builds up, at least for me, over time. And also the foods. I wasn't eating you know, uh, sugars and higher amounts of caffeine, which made it a lot easier. And that was it. And I think um, you should know this, too. So I was so grateful to Buddha for his uh, teachings that when I finished the book in 2015... I was so grateful because when I started writing my book, I was smoking as I was writing it. I'm like, you know, you're a hypocrite. You you can't write a book (laughs) about nutrition and exercise and recovery and be chain smoking as you're doing it. There's enough hypocrites. So I stopped writing the book until I quit. So I was so grateful to him when I finished the book in 2015 that I went to his birthplace in Lumbini, Nepal, and I brought a copy of the manuscript of the book <laughs> yeah. yeah and I went to the gate it's, it's known as the <laughs> renunciation gate it's the actual gate that he left through and what's left of the palace where he lived I have a picture standing in the renunciation gate and I look at that like I've renounced my old lifestyle I'll never go back and I left a copy at the spot where he was born there's a sacred bathing pond his mother was bathing in the pond she went into labor and she came out and she had him under a Bodhi tree adjacent to the pond and so people leave offerings there to him. So I took the original manuscript for the book to Lumbini, and I left it as an offering, and it was burned at the end of the day. Here's it gets better. So I said to myself when I was in Lumbini in 2015 that if I'm ever successful to have the book 
published and, and you know sold that I would come back and leave an actual copy of the book. Lumbini was his physical birthplace. His spiritual birthplace is Bodh Gaya, okay, in India. That's where he actually was under the Bodhi tree and where he attained enlightenment and nirvana. So I went in October of this year on the way to climb up to the Mount Everest base camp. I went to Bodh Gaya with a copy, an actual copy of the book, and I sat in the exact spot and meditated in the exact spot That's where it's awesome. over 2,500 years ago. It's the most sacred place to Buddhists in the world. And I left a copy of, of the final manuscript under, it's not the same tree because it was very long ago, but it's a sapling of the original tree. And I was under there meditating and it was amazing. And so I left my, the book, Spiritual Adrenaline, under that tree as an offering and it was burned again at the, at, the, at the end of the day and prayed on by the Buddhist monks. But that's how grateful I am to Buddha. And I just, you know, whether it's Buddha or whether it's Catholicism or whether it's Judaism, the teachings are really, you want to know the truth? Almost all the same. Mm -hmm. But where Buddhism helped me was slowing down my brain. But they call it the monkey mind. That's a huge component of quitting smoking. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> I amazing. Know. Yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. It's <laughs> awesome, Tom. You're, you're speaking my language, Tom. Yeah. Um, yeah. This Rob's all about some. Uh, I, I just hope that people out there listening to this, so I've done these things, you know, with Everest and, and Buddy Guy. He's run 777 miles. She's run a long portion of that. <laughs> They're going on the Pacific Coast Highway. Okay. being sober is not boring no. it's not the end of your life it's fun if you make it fun that's right if you want to be miserable you'll find people in the program that are miserable <laughs> 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 you know i mean but if you want to have fun it is there it's up to you to avail yourself you have to step out of your comfort zone that you know if you're not happy there and challenge yourself and meet people like this we're always talking about like um you know Whoever you're attached to, their values will eventually come become your values. Absolutely. Um, you know, their spirit's going to get into your spirit and everything. And, and I think that's so important to make sure you're surrounding yourself with like-minded people or you're surrounding yourself with people that you want to strive to be like and that's doing big things like that. And, you know, um, it does take a lot of uh, – you want to go through some discomfort and everything. So, You know, I, I don't know about you guys. You want to say something, Caitlin, or – no, I just, I mean, I completely agree with everything that you guys say. I think that that's an important message, though, for people. I think my, one of my big problems was, again, remember I said earlier I wanted to fit in? I wanted everyone to like me, and then my attitude changed to fitting out. I was a big people pleaser. Oh, yeah. And I was when too. people would say to me, too. like, come do this, I knew it wasn't good for me, and I knew it wasn't going to be a positive thing, but I didn't know I could say no. I mean, I knew I could say no, but I didn't have the, um, the strength Mm -hmm. to say no mm -hmm. and i think that that's a consistent problem not problem but behavior or attribute of a lot of people in recovery and now to be able to say no right <laughs> you're right that. what do you you know you go do it you know it's fine but it's a big thing it's a big thing and sometimes i still struggle with it you know whenever i was in high school that's that was a big uh, thing for me is why why i got hooked on drugs is cuz i was trying to fit in i didn't understand it already fit in you know i didn't, i was I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't created to be. I think that's huge too to to focus on that point for a minute, especially for uh, the listeners. If if we have any youth listening, you know, because I think a lot of times that's, that, I mean, that was my 
my thing in high school too was trying to fit in with the older crowd and and you know just i mean be that person that stands out you don't have to fit in i mean i i'd rather be you know who i am today uh trailblazing setting the path you know surrounding myself with eagles or lions <laughs> <laughs> but especially like i may say something and i mean i was looking at i've been we went around today we went to uh an outpatient treatment facility, and we spoke to some people there. Went to the criminal justice court this afternoon to uh, just watch a very short hearing. You see, the thing is, your community needs heroes. Mm-hmm. I'm st- was stunned when I read the statistics on uh, the, the the health issues here on within the Cherokee community on on heart disease, type two diabetes, domestic violence. So many societal ills that you have anywhere else, but they're exacerbated here on, on in this area. And I really feel for communities like that. I mean, and I think, quite frankly, people like you are, are really setting up. This is a whole different way of thinking. Hope dealers. Hope dealers. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like See, that. That and you're cultivating new leaders. Like yeah. You stepped up to the plate a year and a half, two years ago, yet you're that, creating that sense of community in this recover world of recovery talk about res res that's exactly what that's what yeah that was one thing that we talked about on we had a lot of uh what do we call them the lion talks yeah (laughs) well we was on Uh, the run to to oklahoma because we had so much road we talk we're talking i'm telling you what now we had some some spiritual downloads <laughs> on on that trip it was awesome just the stuff that but that was you, guys are, to you guys are made for each other <laughs> res, res hope being one of them you know we're like mm-hmm. how, what are we gonna do when we get back and that was one thing that we talked about was we didn't want to just start another support group that you know shared and which talks is about great to talk about reflecting and all that all that's important but at the same time we wanted to build leaders. We wanted to inspire people, and that's exactly what we're doing. I um, serve a God that gives my, you know, He gives. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the phrase I'm looking for. Uh, the pain that I experience, He's going to use it for His purpose, and so that's what we try to get people to step out of their comfort comfort zones to share their stories. But not only that, to go out and to be, you know, a hope dealer, to be a difference maker in your community, and. That's the vision that we have for Res Hope is to do these physical endeavors. Like if Jose goes with us, when he goes with us, and when he completes this, I want him to come back. And, you know, he's got a group that he's a part of, and we want him to inspire that hope and change and, you know, just go go and, and build people up and get right, them to, to pour back into the community. Right, like us going by, you know, like the class today, you know, they know Res Hope's there, and we love them. And but I what I was really excited about is the fact that they get to see what we're doing. There ain't nothing stopping anyone that was in there today from doing the same thing. Get out there and start your you know, get out there and do whatever your dream is, that vision board, get it going and we're here. We wanna help like we don't wanna keep it to ourselves. We want to help other communities, other, you know, counties. You, know, you can't places. keep it unless you give it away. Right. That's what they say. And, yeah. and that's what, you know, when we do that outreach, when we go to other communities, that's our that's the biggest thing. Like for Res Hope, I mean, the recovery house is coming. It's coming. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, we're we're on a really good pathway. Uh, our our boards coming together. Things are falling into place, you know. And it's just like um, 
the outreach and everything that we do is so important uh, to the things that we stand for, especially with building leader, like pouring ourselves into other people. It's not just about getting people, you know, into recovery and, and substance free. It's about having building building that leadership and having them go back out and do the same thing. And creating those communities, just like the active sober community, you know, being able to get on there and, and, and just share who you are and talk about, you know, what's going on yeah. around us. I mean... It's all good stuff, especially NC Raw, you know? This is trailblazing. It is. I'm really, I was going to give you a compliment. Look at this setup he has here. And it's amazing uh, that you are so mobile you can go anywhere and do and carry the message. And it's just thank you for letting us share the message today. Well, I, appreciate really, I appreciate you, it. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. And that's really credit to the audience and to our former producer, Courtney, who taught me how to use all this equipment because I had no idea what I was doing. When I <laughs> it looks it looks nice, Tom, but don't let me fool you, okay? <laughs> I'm learning as we go, okay. doing all those things that you guys were just talking about. What can someone expect from the event tomorrow? Mm. Okay, so tomorrow we have what's called our day one event. It's in Bryson City, a CrossFit 2232. Um, it's in conjunction with Jama. Shout out, and Jama. Amy Anders and, Amy. and their family, uh, as well as with Res Hope, Caitlin, Caleb, Jose, Shelly, and a whole bunch of other people that have really been amazingly helpful. So um, I'm going to be going around the country. I want. I'm starting here, but when I leave North Carolina, I'm going to Colorado. I'm going to Addict. The organization there is Addict to Athlete. They've been around since 2006, I believe. And so uh, I'll be going to other states and other cities around the country as well, and then to Europe later on this year. But I wanted to start here because uh, uh, this guy ran 777 miles, and it just blows me away. Um, and so here's what people can expect, okay? Uh, we're hoping to have a turnout of lots of local people from the community. We're really trying to encourage people who are in recovery. They don't have to be in re addiction recovery. They can be in shopping recovery, gambling <laughs> recovery, ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend recovery. It, it is what it is. But Recovery who, allies. Recovery allies. People mm -hmm. who are interested and, in, again, stepping out of their comfort zone and joining us for a very very basic beginner's CrossFit class. I've never done an I actual CrossFit either. class. I haven't either. <laughs> so, Caitlin you know, I jumped into one, but I was told I better <laughs> do the beginner's. So if you're listening, you've never done CrossFit before, you're going to be in good company. And that's the idea. We want beginners and people who are interested in maybe changing up their lifestyle to feel comfortable there. So we'll have a beginner's CrossFit class some stretching. We're going to do a walk around the block where the requ only requirement is everyone has to go up to the people around them and introduce themselves and say hi and get to know each other. And this tell each other they're amazing. Tell each other they're amazing. <laughs> you know, the statistics show, because isolation is a huge part of, is a, of active addiction, statistics show that people who work out in groups or have other kind of group commitments uh, at meetings or whatever tend to have lower relapse rates because they become part of something. It's yeah. not They're not isolating by themselves. So we want them to come out. And then I'm going to give a little of my spiel. You're hearing a lot of it here on uh, the importance in the science behind exercise and nutrition science and how it can benefit people in addiction recovery. I'm going to do a little bit of a presentation on the local uh, aspects of this since we're here in North Carolina on the on the high rates of type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and other illnesses in this community, and how uh, they're interrelated 
with um, substance abuse and also poor nutrition. And then um, we had this bean bread dessert dessert that we can we came up with i came up with i'll take the, if it's good i'll take all the credit and if it's Man, bad it's, it's caleb and caleb <laughs> so my mom so yeah well, she we, has some real real bean bread that she wants i want to try it i want to try it yeah. so we came up with a very healthy bean bread dessert and it, what I did is I took the traditional bean bread recipe, I took the lard out, replaced it with extra virgin olive oil. I took out the refined sugars and replaced them with honey and truvia and other natural sweeteners. So I added some raisins in, and this, it's got like sunflower seeds, um, uh, sesame seeds. It's got a lot of good stuff. So the point is, is it's a healthy, healthy snack. It's also good low on the glycemic load index. So it's not something for people who have blood sugar uh, issues, either type 2 diabetes, hyperglycemia, or something else, it's low on the glycemic load index. So this is something that's actually not bad for them to eat, okay? And so we'll have a little bit of a sampling of that. And then I'm hoping people will buy my book tomorrow. It's $17.95. And it'll fund the money. I've been you know, uh, supporting the entire expense of the blog and everything we've been doing for the last three years. And it's been very substantial. So this is money that when you buy the book, you're allowing me to continue to go around the country to help people like Caleb and Caitlin, you know, get, get attention to what they're doing. I've been promoting them quite a bit and other uh, local individuals and organizations. So I hope people buy their book, my book, and they get a shot with us uh, as well. Yeah. And he's a chapter inspiration. We'll sign it for you. And I think it'll be I've a great working on my. Oh, you're working on your signature? I haven't been. The sloppier, the more important, right? (laughs) You've been talking about that for six months, right? But it's going to be great. And, you know, he deserves it because uh, I I just think it's important. One of the things about... When I, let, me, let me be really honest here. Okay. So when I started the, the, the Spiritual Adrenaline blog and website, I, and I started telling the stories about other people, a lot of people said to me, you should promote yourself because that's what you should be doing because you want people to buy the book. But the reality is I wanted to create a, 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 like a platform that was more about the movement. There's a yeah. whole movement happening mm-hmm. of people all over the world. I mean, I get every day, and I'm not exaggerating, I get emails or messages on Facebook from people in Ireland, Canada, the United States, the Middle East, Africa. I mean, it's like it blows my mind, right? And so there's a whole movement of people that I wanted to connect, and they're connecting now. And I'm thinking a couple of years out, we can have a conference where all these organizations and individuals come together. I I already have a name for it. I call it the outside issues conference. (laughs) 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 So, you know, but uh, what I'm trying to say is, you know, people will say you should promote yourself. I think the greatest self-promotion is promoting like the the community of like-minded people, because I think it's the strength in numbers. If it was just me out there doing whatever I'm doing, it's, it's only a little drop in the bucket. But when you put us all together and you can see the different types of exercises and different approaches taken, this is not, and my book's not, a one-size-fits-all solution. It can be modified based on your health history, your present health, and your long-term goals. And that's what, that's what I like about integrating all these different organizations and working with people. We all do it differently, but we all get to the same place. Right. You know, we have the same end goal. I wanted to talk about... Uh, I had I had been promoting the event that we'll be sharing some uh, fitness and nutritional goals. Is that is that safe sure. to say? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> I just want to make sure I wasn't giving misinformation. <laughs> um, I had there's some questions here. T 
Tom. Janae. She said, Hey, the girl. The amazing Janae. Hey, girl. <laughs> she said, Hang on a second. She was asking about smoking. Yeah, how right? many days after y'all quit did the cravings go away? That's a good question. Uh-huh. Um, I think <laughs> that's, I can't remember the exact date. It takes a while. A long it time. takes a long time because it's such an time. ingrained thing up here. And like behaviors are so associated with it, like the way I would leave a building so I could have the cigarette, uh, everything. So the cravings stayed. But I do think when you, for me, reaching the 30-day threshold and not smelling like cigarettes anymore. And actually, I, like my, I started to breathe a lot easier. Yeah. And I had a lot more energy so I had the cravings, but I wasn't willing to go back and yeah. mess my lungs up again. So I think that that's what I would recommend. But um, whether you get a craving or not, the reality is, as Buddha taught us, imagine he had just for five and a half years tried and then gave up and said, I'm going to go back to the palace and be the prince. You'd but still be smoking. I'd tell you still be smoking, <laughs> right. So I think the, the message from Buddha's lifestyle and his life story is don't give up. You just keep going until you find what works for you, you know. And I think um, smoking is the most insidious because it's just so so common. You see it everywhere. It's not like people are out there doing lines on the street, right? Because like, I was a big cokehead, you know. But out, you, anywhere you walk, you see people smoking cigarettes. So yeah. it's very very hard. How did you get turned on to Buddhism and meditation? Well, I watched that documentary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was it. And then I, what I like about it, because I don't really see it as like, a, I, I consider myself an Episcopalian who likes Buddhist teaching. Um, and so, you know, uh, what's so great about Buddhist teaching is just the practicality of it. It's not really a, wor- a religion in the sense there's no God you worship and you don't worship Buddha. The concept behind Buddhism is our own thinking causes, is the prime cause of the majority of our suffering. So how can I think differently mm. to not cause myself so much suffering, but rather cause myself happiness? Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, you know, and they, there's like, let me give you one example. It's called the Supreme Teacher um, concept in Buddhism. And, um, you know, the Dalai, I'm to give you an example. The Dalai Lama considers the Chinese his Supreme Teacher. And that's because they invaded Tibet. They had done terrible things to the Tibetans but you know he he says that they also have taught me humility they've taught me that even as a Dalai Lama you know I I, I am not the highest you know religious power on the, in, on the planet and that they teach me things that make me a better person and I, I feel for them you know and what he's trying to say is if you can learn from the things that bring you the unhappiness uh, and uh, you can find a way to live with it that causes yourself a lot less suffering, you know? So I often think, like, um, of my drug dealers as my supreme <laughs> teacher. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, they taught me. And then there's a one particular lawyer I work with in New York um, who is absolutely impossible. And mm-hmm. everything, I'm, a, I'm an attorney, this is my hobby. So everything is a major fight. And, you know, that person teaches me <laughs> that I'm very grateful that that's the only person I have to deal with like that. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, I have to find a way to deal with them in a way that doesn't damage me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not going to act out and, and do something that takes me out of my own, uh, my own comfort zone and my own belief that I should treat people with you know, respect as, as nicely as I possibly can. Yeah, the whole, like, 
love your enemies, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, what is the most appropriate? You got a lot of living to do. The most compassionate, <laughs> most kind. It's the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, same thing. You familiar with refuge recovery? Of course, of? yeah. Right. Sure. Noah Levine. I've read yeah. all of his books. Have you? Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I found recovery through Refuge Recovery. Oh, good for you. I have been involved with that fellowship since 2014, since day one. I didn't I know never, this. I never agree. stepped foot in a 12-step meeting until last night. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, that the meditation aspect, the meditation aspect in, in combination with, like, the sangha, the fellowship, the community, mm-hmm. um, definitely contributed to my sustainability and and i go to refuge recovery meetings in new york and i think they're great i'm a huge fan of the program i've read all this i've read against the stream i've read Mm -hmm. refuge recovery and i I, this is something about buddhism that works perfectly and you know can i say one thing um in this day and age like technology is the biggest impediment to spiritual connection. And I write about this in my chapter on spirituality. Like, I think airplane mode is a great spiritual tool mm-hmm. because you can <laughs> cut yourself off from this continuous, nonstop being bombarded by social media, by text. It all takes you out of where you are. Disconnect. Yeah, it disconnects you. And, you know, Buddhism teaches you to bring it, bring it back to the breath. You know mm-hmm. this. It bring it back to you. And by refocusing yourself internally as as opposed to a focus on the external sources of whatever's going on around you it's a really empowering way to think and to live mm-hmm. and so if that's huge it's a huge part of Buddhism. as far as technology goes i think that i'm really fascinated with um the capabilities like i think that we're using it in the wrong way and i'm like fascinated in like figuring out like this podcast is really like gained my interest in like figuring out and you're doing it with the spiritual adrenaline community is to how to how to use it in the healthiest way how to use it to touch more lives how to use it to build that sense of community how to how to connect with the kid across the holler that doesn't have a res hope in his backyard or that doesn't have a strong recovery community for him to to um to turn to how do we how do we use it in the healthiest way? Because it's only going to continue to grow, right? Like, there's who knows what's next, right? Like, fifty years from now, I'll be able to like we'll be able to communicate without a phone, right? Because like, person. yeah, seriously, yeah. like you know, but like it's, it's coming, it's coming. So how do we use it to our advantage to promote recovery, right. to mm-hmm. continue to grow the, in mm-hmm. faith and um, fellowship, you know? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's just something I think about all the time. What you're doing though is a good example. I mean, this is a very positive use of technology mm-hmm. for right. a positive purpose. You know, Anderson Cooper did a story on 60 Minutes about how um, programs and apps are being designed to try and maximize the endorphin rush and the dopamine that's created. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, like, you know, huh. that can be good or bad, right? It can be good or bad oh, because that's what keeps people tied to their their devices so you know there's like like everything in life we all have to make choices right and how we choose to use it what apps we use and uh i just i i think it's great that um like i'm just stunned by the setup you have here and how you're so mobile with this when i've watched your show before 
kind of thought it was in one studio or someplace. Sometimes it's normally it in one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but this is a great way to take it on the road and be able to talk to people. Uh, uh, we're going to be taking it on the road. We're cranking it up in 2019. <laughs> are, you, are you running too? On the Pacific? He's, our media, the he's our PR yeah. guy. <laughs> our PR guy. <laughs> I'm driving. Driving in PR. Yeah. <laughs> Driving and documenting. That's yeah. great. We're, he's going. We're I actually can drive going to be, a little bit now. Oh yeah, let's lately. go ahead and cover that. You topic. ain't driving. You're <laughs> running or riding a bike. <laughs> oh, um, Rob's going to be reaching out to uh, Joe Rogan. So we hope we oh, hope to, uh, whenever we get to Southern California, we hope to be able on Joe on Joe Rogan's podcast. I do want to point this out real quick because you just made me think of it. Like I know y'all talking about technology and everything and. Um, just like David Goggins' book, how his new book, the audio book he came out with. Can't you know, hurt me. You got to like, get it, Tom. You have to listen to it. Like <laughs> It's so much better, and you get so much more out of it to hear the audio book really? than well, if you was to they actually. They have a, bo- they have a podcast. Like. Yeah, so this is what I was going to I was like actually going to ask you this question. Do you plan to record an audio? It's it's already done. It's already done. You can buy, yeah, you can buy my book in audio I, version. I bought the, um, I ordered it on Kindle. And I didn't see the audio book. Oh yeah, we have yet. we have a Kindle version and an audio. Okay. Let me tell you the funny thing about the audio. <laughs> so, uh, like three or four months ago, my publisher sends me an email with uh, multiple audio files, and it's different uh, people who are auditioned for the book. Yeah. And now I know I talk funny because I grew up on Staten Island in New York City. I know I have an accent. One of the guys sounded like the Sopranos. She <laughs> got me on there to do it. Oh my god! I, really, I was actually my mom, my sister, and I were listening to them. And we had to pick, you know, which one we wanted to be the audio, and we were just laughing so hard. How do you yeah, pronounce yeah. your mom's name? Molly. 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 We so she, love you. She, Shout yeah, out. So she's my amazing. mother says to me. My mother says to me. She goes. Well, why do they need to hire someone to do it? Why can't you read the book? I said, that's what everyone's mother says. <laughs> <laughs> just, just pick your mom. Sure. Hi, mom. I love you. <laughs> 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 but anyway, yeah. So it, if it, you can buy it, I, I saw it on the uh, Central Recovery site. Okay. I don't on Amazon. I'm not sure, but um, definitely on Central Recovery's website, they have it now. So. What I like to do is I like to like listen to audiobooks and I buy all my books on Kindle and then use the Audible and like kind of go back and forth. And I like to read the digital books. So I like to take notes and highlight stuff See, right on it. I, I mean, just say, it's interesting that you say all that because I love paper books. Paper books. Yeah. It's like every book I write in, I read, I date when I'm reading it mm-hmm. so that I can go back. Like, like Refuge Recovery has a mm-hmm. date. And then every important page, I'll underline and make notes on the actual pages. And then up in the cover, I put star. I have five stars, three stars, two stars, and I write the topics in the front. So, like a lot of the research from my book started that way okay. from reading other books, and I'm able to go back and find the material Details. that I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that's why I, I, I listen to audio books at the gym. Sometimes yeah. I'll do that, you know, inspirational ones. Mm-hmm. I like that, but I love the old-fashioned paper. I'll get the audio book first, and then if I really get into it, I'll buy the Kindle version, and then I'll finish the book. And if it's just like killer five stars i have to have it then i'll turn it on oh really it. that's so, interesting yeah. then i end up, end up owning three copies of it right? but that's at least one thing about it, that's good because i always buy the books like to support the authors mm-hmm. that i believe in because i'm telling you right now if people don't do that it's getting harder and harder in the publishing industry you know, mm-hmm. because people whatever go go to their places or get get it other means but i i have an apartment full of the books that i love and I love buying them because it supports the authors and encourages the message. What's your favorite yeah. inspirational book? Oh, good question. The Yoga Sutras. Yeah. 
The what? It will blow your mind. The Yoga Sutras. I mean, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. It's just unbelievable. What is it? The Yoga Sutras? Yeah. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, a required reading if you go to yoga teacher training. And these are ancient Have passages. And it's just, it's very, it's just, uh, these sutras deal with issues in life that come up along the way, kind of, and how to handle them. And it's, it's beautiful. That's all I can say. It's amazingly beautiful. And it touches on all different aspects of life and issues in life. My other favorite, because I have a couple, so I'm going to keep going, all right, is the um, Recovery Bible. I sent Caleb a copy of life, that. Yeah, the Life, the life recovery. recovery Bible, which is the Bible. I love that book. The Bible annotated to the 12 steps. Yeah. That's cool. I am telling you, if you if you don't want to read the whole Bible, which I did, read the footnotes. and it, You will get a whole new idea of what the Bible is about. I absolutely You've read the whole love Bible? that book. Well, because I went to church. I better step it up. I went to church, and, and it was true. The, 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 the Father's Mass was about how people were out criticizing the Bible and Catholic or Christian teaching when they hadn't ever read it. And then I would go to these 12-step meetings where everyone was like, God sucks! You know? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you know, if you ask any of those people if they actually read the Bible, I guarantee you the vast majority haven't because in the Bible, right. almost every major character, not really character, but person, was a flawed person yeah. who overcame whatever the issue was and found redemption. Like mm -hmm. that's it's a very positive message. It's not full of hate. It's, it's a not love full story. of all these things. So, I, you know, that's why I think it was really important to go and, and to do that. And I read the Life Recovery Bible. Oh, so that's a great book. Up. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you the audio version. So here when you're running down the Pacific Coast Highway, and then what oh, we're going to yeah, do is we're going to rent some billboards along the way, and we're going to have Caleb, are you listening to your Bible as you run? <laughs> <laughs> what sure. is it, Rob? You looking at no, me? Yeah, I'm, I'm in it. I'll, I'll throw in some dollars for those billboards. <laughs> I will throw down some dollars oh for those billboards. Oh, my God. See, Caleb, we're stepping it up for you, brother. I know it. I appreciate We're that. going to make the Trail of Tears look like a walk in the park. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah, this is double in the Trail of Tears. <laughs> you going to come out for a little bit of this? If I can. Because okay. the thing is, this year is a big year cause, yeah, because of the, the book, book release. Yeah. So we had the first quarters already laid out in, in the context yeah. of where I'm going to be going and what I'm going to be doing. But uh, the second quarter, third quarter, we're not sure yet. So that's why if I can be out there, I'll definitely well, be we'll be Where starting are you going to be in April? Well, I don't, we don't know yet. The second quarter. So, yeah, I, I don't know we're yet. We're having our wedding in April. I think I'm going to be at your wedding in April. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely would come try and come down for that if I can. Yeah, I'm going to do my best to make it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Man, just kidding. Okay, just kidding. Hey, you're going to be there to catch the bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking the ladies. Do we have any more there. questions? We're going to leave Bianca home. No, no, no. Ooh, oh yeah, wait, wait. Um, what you got? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just curious if you have any more questions from any of I just had a brain for it. Go ahead. Questions for you? Yeah, any questions from people who are oh, listening? Oh, tuned there? in? I'll have them uh, looking. On I there. haven't no, looked I at that. Um, what's next? Like, after this book comes out, like, how do you... What's on your radar? What's your... <laughs> you, t you, talk, you open the show up talking about goals, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm really focused on this book. And quite uh -huh. frankly, I, I hope that the book is embraced in the way I think it will be because I think it's long overdue. 
Um, I think Rob Archuleta from Addict to Athletes um, endorsement says, you know, it's a look at the future of recovery today. It's a holistic view of recovery. Mm-hmm. But the, and um, one of the questions I was asked recently was, um, you're and you do male uh, physique bodybuilding competition. So is this a book for bodybuilders? And it's absolutely not. It's actually a very basic book um, that anybody can use. So it's not sophisticated. I like to do um, a spiritual adrenaline phase two. I started researching that in late 2016 and 2017. What the second book is about is it builds on the first book because the reason is like when you work 12 steps, you don't just do it once and stop. You continuously work them and you integrate them into your lifestyle. And as you work them and you change, they change, right? So anyone who reads this book, if they actually utilize the tools that are in this book, basic stuff, they will be a very different person six to eight months to 12 months from now, and they're going to want more. I know that. So the next, if, if I'm fortunate enough to sell it and to have it published, is phase two deals with the enzymes that are in foods and how the enzymes both in foods and the enzymes that can be created in the body through exercise and nutrition impact uh, health overall, but for specifically for people in addiction recovery. And I'll give you a good example. I was listening to a podcast. I'm not going to say who it was, but it's a very well-known person in the recovery community talk about green juicing recently, mm-hmm. right? And for, I'm not really for juicing at all. I explain why in the book, but they were talking about green juicing in the context of the minerals and other vitamins that people can get from green juicing. If you're having that discussion with a healthy person, you know, there's no need to concern yourself, Okay. But if you're dealing with someone in addiction recovery, like we were talking earlier about potassium, mm-hmm. Caitlin, okay, if you come into addiction recovery and you have compromised liver function or pancreas function or kidney function, you want to know <laughs> what minerals and other nutrients are in the green juices you're drinking, okay, because your body may not be able to digest them properly, okay? Mm-hmm. There was no discussion whatsoever of that. On, on this podcast. Another thing that concerns me greatly and no one's really covered or written about is how, ke- we talked about this privately earlier, how ketogenic diets can impact a body of someone who's in addiction recovery based upon their uh, using history and their current health history. I mean, there's, there's issues with the breakdown of, oil, of the oil. It relates to uh, the body's ability to build up bile to break down oils in the system. And so also I just don't think anyone who's new to recovery or new to eating right should be on a ketogenic diet. What you should focus on, as we focus on in my book, is bringing in antioxidants into your system, cleansing the body, giving your body the nutrients it needs, and then talking about more sophisticated diet and nutrition steps. So the second book would focus more, like I say, on the, uh, how to create, the, how to maximize hormone production in your body based upon the foods that you're eating, the enzymes in the foods, and your exercise regimen and spiritual regimen. So that's what I'm hoping to do down the line. We had a uh, podcast a couple weeks ago, and I had a discussion about healthy sugars. And we was told that you can eat as many fruits (laughs) as you would like. Who told you that? (laughs) (laughs) Think about that. You know, fruits are made of, there's two different types of sugars in fruits. There's fructose and there's sucrose, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, 
the problem with that logic is, especially, see, when we're talking about people in addiction recovery, and we, just, we went through this a bunch of times, type 2 diabetes is the majority of the people, whether they, know, they admit it or not, in addiction recovery when they present at uh, inpatient facilities, and it probably is a substantial number of people in the recovery community. Fruit is pure sugar, right? So if you're eating it in moderation, if you're having an apple a day, you don't need to worry. If you're eating a banana, an apple, you know, you're really continuously all day eating all this. Sh you're eating huge <laughs> amounts of sugar. And no, there's like someone I know, nameless. No, it's not you either. Years ago, was had it's me was no. wanting to get into shape. You know, and he's someone I know from recovery. And he posted a picture on Facebook, and it was like bananas, strawberries, blueberries, all kinds of berries and watermelon. Everything he put on there was sugar. And it's not my place to reach out to people on Facebook and say, well, excuse me, <laughs> I don't do that. So, but I noticed it. And, but here's what people need to understand. I'm not being critical. We have to start to think about the substances in the food we're eating and why we're eating. Why do we crave comfort foods? Why don't I crave broccoli, right? Right? Right. There's a chemical reason for that because the huh. comfort foods, the sugars, the glucose, the fructose. Uh, crave broccoli, yeah. cauliflower. You know, if you crave broccoli, I'd be like, what? No, but so, but so we, we crave certain things for a reason. And it's true that fruits, people had that same kind of a thing with fruit because of all the sugar in there. So the reality is you have to, you have to really start to understand. I think in our society, generally speaking, and I think in recovery to some extent, we use food for emotional reasons, and we use them. We use food, you know, for other reasons that have nothing to do with the nutrients in the food, and what the God, the reason God gave us food. You know, I sometimes, I mean, I used to do it a lot. I still do it when I'm really pissed off. I eat at it. You yeah. know, I get I get a big double cheeseburger with a big thing of fries, and I put cheese sauce on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm not saying I'm like perfect. When's the last time you done that? The last time I did that, after I competed. Okay. I My I'm last competition in September. But the, so what I'm trying to say, though, is I, I try not to use food to cover up my emotions or my anger or mm -hmm. other things. And a, a basic thing about being healthy is understanding what nutrients are in the food. Anyone who told you you could eat as much fruit as you want is, I, with all due respect, completely wrong. I think I'm going to go back to eating my... Uh, M&M cookie ice cream sandwiches for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell that story. Tell that story. We was talking about that on the way home. Mm. I was just telling Caleb that because good, actually. you had talked about, you know, like being on that, you're, you're on that, that high, crash, you're yep. on that high, and then you, when you're coming down, you have that crash. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, like, I found myself, that's what, if I didn't have anything, or even when I did, really, but... A lot of times when I didn't have anything, I was on that crash, I was going in the stores stealing candy bars or sweet cakes, you know, trying to get myself More. back up, mm -hmm. you know, some kind of rush back up. Uh, allegedly, no. <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> that's part of my life now. We're past, no. Um, but no, I did do that. It's and, good and, to be and, able to laugh yeah. about that, yeah. isn't it? Yes, it is. Isn't it? <laughs> So I, I do, I make a joke out of it, but that's the truth of the matter. And then there was like, uh, whenever I was using, every morning I would go to the store as soon as I got up and that's what I, that was my breakfast was 
the ice cream cookie sand uh, the M&M <laughs> cookie sandwiches I would get that a Pepsi and a pack of Marlboro cigarettes mm-hmm. Marlboro menthol cigarettes and that was nutrition that. <laughs> uh, God, what we were talking you want to say something what we were talking about is, well, earlier we went to an outpatient facility and, and with part of the discussion we were talking I was talking about how I used I started to realize in early recovery that I used to eat to raise my blood sugar up, like lots and lots of sweets and lots of caffeine to get myself hyped up. And then I would crash and I'd go right back looking for more caffeine and sugar. And the epiphany, the light bulb was, I'm, I'm getting high and crashing in a very similar way as I was when I was doing drugs yeah. and alcohol. You know, and I started to really realize that. And that was a big light bulb moment for me. Like, it's not okay. Same behavior, All different those bananas Looking over at Rob's. There. Rob's always got some good healthy snacks, though. Sometimes. Most of the time. I heard a st- I was telling Caleb a story that I heard about you with a mushroom burger. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh my gosh. At the when Bianca uh-huh. spilled her drink. Yes, that was funny. We had got mushroom burgers and this was back when I was like two hundred and five pounds, you know, fresh up. like I said, I was that was what uh, we did was our hanging out was going out to eat. But anyways we ordered these mushroom burgers thinking we were gonna get these burgers and a big old mushroom <laughs> they bring it out it's like bread lettuce a mush a big flat mushroom <laughs> and i'm like what is this i don't want this yeah problem, so. i just remembered something you asked me when the last time i ate, i ate at something was yesterday i got here and there was a problem with my hotel and then i couldn't get any cell service on my oh, phone yeah. to call anybody and i passed dairy queen i was like i'm going to dairy queen i drove into the dairy queen in downtown Cherokee. And I went in and I looked at the board and I was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and we I do walked that. out. But I came really close Dude, to like getting the double burger and we the fries. We do that all the time. <laughs> we're looking around, looking at all the, all oh the foods and sweets. I'm just like, man. It, but it's just it? not worth it. You know, no. it's just not worth it. Once but in a I'm while. glad you shared that about the fruit, though, really, because like, well, I work in a food place. And so that's what I snack on is fruit. My thinking was like well it's fruit it's okay but i was probably shouldn't be slamming no. three bananas well yeah that I don't and that's what that, bananas have the most the, yeah so much sugar and that's what started the conversation was that like um you know we're we're always on the go right and so mm-hmm. we were asking for like healthy alternatives to like eat on the go like i have my bag over there and I always have like some Cliff Bars. I always have a couple bananas, some carrots, and the almond almond Can butter. Can I just say something now? That's very interesting. Well, hold on, real you know, quick. Everything you mentioned just uh-huh. has a lot of sugar. A lot, I know. <laughs> everything, <laughs> including so, like, the carrots. <laughs> so, so I, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. All of it does. The Cliff Bars. They mm-hmm. have a lot. A of ton of sugar. And so, and I was in class, and all I had was like my a couple bananas left, and right. I literally just pounded like four bananas because I was starving in school. I get it. I get it. I had, I like, get it. I it was get either it. that or like hit the vending machine and grab Doritos, and so I just pounded the bananas. <laughs> and my teacher was like, my instructor, my professor, she was like, I can't believe that you just ate four bananas. You're gonna be bouncing off the walls and then crash. And I was like, I don't. What am What am I supposed to do? Right. Like, right. You know? right. So, like, what are some healthy alternatives well, to eat on the go? Well, it's, it's funny you ask that. Okay, so in my book, I, I give, I have a seven-day plan, a 30-day plan, and the maintenance plans. And I don't just say you, this is what you have to eat. I give you options. Okay. And in the book, I teach you how to 
what are good snacks, what are good main meals, how to, what can be prepared ahead of time. For example, this morning before we worked out here at this, at this gym, you know, yesterday, instead of going to the fast food place or whatever, I went to the supermarket and I got um, boiled eggs. I got a fully cooked chicken. I got some, um, not, not that I'm crazy about eating this, but uh, I got ham and turkey, cold cuts as well, like high team protein sources, uh, sweet potatoes and yogurt, right? And then at my hotel last night, I prepped everything into containers and I brought it this morning. So we had, after working out, we had a fresh sweet potato and Caitlin and Caleb shared it with me. <laughs> um, we had fresh sweet potato, which is great for it sustainable energy. Amazing. Sustainable energy. If you want sustainable energy, there it is. If you want to build muscle after a workout, you mix. You know, we had sweet potato. I had the eggs with me and I had the turkey with me. And then I had the yogurt out in the car. Uh, and I had almonds with me as well. So I teach you, and I don't just say, here's what you should eat. I teach you what's in it. Like I have a whole section called recovery superfoods. I list the food. Hmm. I list the substances that are in the food. And then I list the benefits for you. So in other words, it makes it so easy. Because I've always read, you should eat this. But no one tells me why, right? Well, I don't understand what's in it. So I broke it down by food, substances in it, the benefits. So it makes it very, very easy to be able to manage that and learn how to pre prepare your own food, which will save you a lot of money and also get you into a better uh, health position. And the other thing that I teach you in my book is the importance of nutrient timing. What times, like I have something in the book called FAB, Eat FAB, it stands for... Fuel, F is for fuel, A is for active, and B is for built, okay? So certain foods, like in the morning, you want to eat for fuel, right? In the afternoon, you want to eat to stay active. And at night, you want to eat so that you're building as your body's sleep, as you sleep, hmm. so you can regenerate. Is that something you created? That, that's something I created. That acronym? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that. Because that's, that's awesome. just how I eat, you know? So, like, I don't just eat what I want to eat, whatever I want to eat it. There's thought that goes into it. Like, right. okay, is it going to is it gonna give me fuel? Is it going to keep me active? Or is it going to help me build? Like, and that way, when you start to really think that way, it makes it so much easier. Because, you know, if you're eating a carb, four bananas, right? Like, <laughs> whatever it is. And you're eating it late in the day. And then you go to bed. First of all, you're going to have a hard time going to sleep. Second of all, it converts to fat when you sleep. Like, people who have these large pasta dinners late at night or whatever, something with a lot of... Um, not really complex carbs, but cheap carbs. Fat, you wake up and it all converts to fat because you're not burning it. But you're also telling your body, you're sending the wrong signal to your body. You should be eating those carbs for fuel in the morning, right? Not late at night to go to bed. And so your body's confused. It doesn't really understand why you're pumping it up. You know, like you, you carb load before you run. Mm -hmm. You know, people, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, but they carb load before they go to bed. Yeah. Think about that. It yeah. makes no sense. And then they wake up bigger than they were, and it, you know they're unhappy. <laughs> and by sure. the way, there's a really right. good book out there called Zero Calorie Foods. Uh, they're foods that, I'm trying to remember if carrots are in the book, foods that takes more energy to burn than the calories it has in it. So if you eat those, and many of them are in my book is the build foods, the building, the FAB, uh, the B part foods. Those foods actually take more energy to break down than the calories they have. So it, your body will burn. You'll wake up light, lighter in the morning 
and because it, of all the work. You said it would build your metabolism, right? Right. There's a there's a girl that you're going to get to meet um, at the event tomorrow, Tom. Uh, I ain't going to say her name yet. But anyway, she was telling me that she got into recovery and she blew up. She was over well over 200 pounds. And that caused her to have a relapse, a return to use. Yeah. Can you talk about that? I mean, I don't know her specific just, just situation, but I think that the data on on uh, fitness and nutrition and and all the research sustainable shows, return. and you know, my but I should mention this on the podcast. I wanted when I was in early recovery and I was reading self published books. Like, there's this book, The Vitamin Cure. <laughs> Like what's interesting about those books is they have all these conclusions, but they don't have any of the science to support the conclusions. It's basically the author's point of view. And for me, later I found out much of it was not accurate or really helpful, and I think that that's not what the kind of book I wanted to write. So my book is evidence-based. I have each chapter, I have chapter notes and chapter citations to peer-reviewed studies at credible institutions that support the conclusions in my book. There's over 250 chapter citations, so if anyone challenges anything that's in my book, go look at the study and show me where I'm wrong. And by the way, in the three years that I've been live, uh, every week putting out new material on nutrition and exercise, no one's ever said I've made a mistake on anything because everything I do is evidence-based, right? And so... <laughs> Okay, so it, but it, it's important. What? Where, where, I'm getting tired now. What? Why did I get <laughs> talk about brain fart? Um, well, he's talking about sustain, Ret- returning to use. Yes, yeah. returning to oh, use. Oh, okay, thank you. Because I'm just I'm getting tired. Okay, so <laughs> here's what those studies and these are peer-reviewed studies say. The evidence shows. Let me give you an example of one of the studies. They took uh, a group of people who were in an inpatient uh, rehab setting. They measured the cravings using MRIs and other kinds of um, uh, technology of those people over a couple of weeks. One group exercised, uh, I think it was five to 15 minutes a day. The middle group did less exercise, just very de minimis walking. The the first group was doing five to 15 minutes of active workout a day. The middle group was doing uh, de minimis walking. Third group did no exercise whatsoever just went to traditional um, psychological counseling, right, at the facility. The group, that the, the group that did the most exercise had, after they tracked these people over time, had lower relapse rates than the group in the middle. But the group in the middle had lower relapse rates than the people who just went for traditional psychological counseling. And that's just one example that um, they attributed to being able to better cope with the cravings like the natural um, production of endorphins and dopamine in the brain. And this is just one example of lots and lots of studies that have come to that same conclusion. The amazing amazing conclusion of, there was one study that looked at 40 previous studies that took place over a 10-year period. That study came to the conclusion that even five minutes a day of exercise at a level two, which means... Basically, you can, you're starting to walk and your breathing is getting very um, you know, higher. Um, would be helpful in reducing relapse rates. So, I mean, it's uncontroverted that there is a correlation between a healthy and active lifestyle and lower relapse rates. And the same is true for nutrition. And the reason is that 
your number one, a well-nourished body can handle the cravings much better, okay? If you're eating foods that have the, the vitamins and the minerals that we need, you're giving your body what it needs, you avoid cravings. If you avoid hunger, it lessens the desire to, to go for something. So, and also, um, from the point of view of what we were talking about earlier, avoiding spiking your blood and then dropping it down, the sugar levels in the blood, when you break that cycle of highs and lows, and for example, like sweet potato we were talking about this morning, you have more consistent energy over the course of the day, you're, you're much less likely to be like acting out or to be... Mood stabilizing. Exactly. You know, so you have that more consistent mood during the day, which makes it easier to cope with things mm. as they come your way. And then I'm sure, given the, the fact pattern that you described, there's a lot of self-esteem issues that come, especially for a woman, mm-hmm. you know, with putting on substantial weight, po- you know, in, in sobriety. And so I guess there's also isolation that comes into play there. So all of these factors take, um, take it into consideration would not put, you know, are not positive for trying to stay sober. But that's why I think, look, if she came, let's just say if this person comes to day one tomorrow, she meets people she likes. She's already in CrossFit. Okay, she's in CrossFit now. Yeah. Uh, so, and she's doing, she's do- is she doing yeah, good? she's doing really well. And what does she say? Her life is better? Her life's changed. Since- All right, see? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm telling you, but that's what, that's what day one is about. That's because right. she's not isolating. She's not eating in secret. She's not self-loathing. She's not hating herself. She's taking pride in herself. She stepped out of her comfort zone. She's meeting like-minded people. Things are getting better. Relapse Come rates on. go lower. I mean, there's no way around it, you know? And so I think that, again, day one, if you're in North Carolina and you're listening to this <laughs> and you're up on the fence going, oh, maybe I'll go. Go. <laughs> Come on. You have nothing to lose. Come on you have out from everything Oklahoma. to gain. We don't care. And it might be the first day. That's what we call it day one of a whole new way of looking at Just your sobriety and a whole new way of looking at how you're going to spend 2019. You hit on something. We're we're getting to the home stretch, Tom. All right. I promise you, it's getting a little hot in here. It is. Um, <laughs> hey, can we open that door up? No, I don't know that camera. Um, we're almost done. I got, we got like fifteen minutes left, maybe. Um, you hit on something a couple at the beginning of the show a couple times. How important is it to have that blood work done to get a baseline of like where you're? Yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, and, and there's a whole chapter on it in my book. And what I do is I teach people how to read their own blood work. Okay. Because, quite frankly, I think it's, and I think people will agree with me, doctors are so busy these days because of the way insurance companies work that they push, they don't oftentimes read as carefully as they should the blood work, you know? So you should be able to read your own blood work and have a general idea on um, what your overall health is and isn't at any given time. Here's the thing about the blood work. It's going to tell you things that you can't see. You can see, you know, if you lose weight or gain weight, that kind of thing. But you can't see if you have a fatty liver. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. You can't see if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic. You can't see what your triglyceride levels are, you know? And this kind of information can actually save your life. And let me tell you why. Let's say you're listening to this podcast and you want to come out tomorrow and go nuts, right? But you don't know what your cardiovascular health is. You may be putting yourself at risk, right? And let's just say... Let's just say, let's just say, Caleb, you're you're one of a kind. I love this, dude. So let's just say, like, you're coming out tomorrow, but you're not aware of your cardiovascular problems. You could actually hurt yourself. You want to know that information 
because information it's good it's going to be there whether you you know it or not right mm -hmm. so a lot of times i mean we try and avoid um you know the truth but we need to know the truth because then like i talk about in the book you can decide for example let's just say i'm someone with uh, some cardiac issues resulting from smoking and cocaine abuse and drinking and check. the whole thing check 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 yeah, all these things, right? <laughs> so you're not, you may not want to do CrossFit because you may want to mellow your body out. You may want to relieve stress and tension, right? So you may want to do more of like yoga or you may want to do certain other but kind of uh, Pilates or things like that that are less uh, intense but maybe de-stress your body more. And so not, there's not like a one-size-fits-all shoe for everybody in this. And so I think they really need to know what the blood work is to know what their prison health is and what, what, what goals might be helpful for them to move towards. And the other thing is, you know, like when you're on a diet, like I took a day one picture the first day I started doing this back in Ju July of 2011, right? So I have a metric by which to gauge the exterior of my body, right? Mm -hmm. So if I didn't take that picture... No reference point. You have no, no reference point. point. Mm -hmm. Well, the same is true for your blood because my blood work is so good. <laughs> my, my doctor calls it the equivalent, um, Dr. Bankobedic, the equivalent of a 25-year-old Ethiopian marathon. <laughs> Does he really? I'm serious. I didn't, yeah. You know, and, yeah. Because the, my, my, I know what my blood says, and I know how good it is. So my point is, your blood, his saying, not mine, but Dr. Bedic's, is blood doesn't lie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right? So if you're doing something right, you will find out from your blood work. If you're not doing it right, you'll also find out from your blood work. And then you can modify diet, you can modify your uh, exercise regimen to try and move your blood work towards the goal that you want to achieve. This is like proactive. We're not treating a disease. We're trying to avoid the disease by being proactive and understanding the story that our blood is telling us. Yeah. I think so many people get scared too to even find out right what I wish I had, you know, for at before the you started. Before yeah, I started, me too. I, I've like, but this my is what I'm trying to say. Journey. But I have never met. Um, we were. I've never. No, I don't know of any rehab institutions that do that kind of blood work. Right. Well, we're going to do it. Talk about it. <laughs> but let me, let me tell you what I, how I know my blood work from back then. When I was on the way to rehab uh, upstate New York. I was taken by ambulance to a hospital to the cardiac unit because I, I was so sick and I thought maybe I had a they thought maybe I had a stroke. It was terrible. How like, old was you? I was forty four then, so I'm fifty one now. And so I have the blood work from the hospital. I requested it because wow. I wanted to know what it was. This is like two years later because I wanted yeah. to get that. To I figure, probably like no, I would not have known yeah. if I had gone straight to rehab. So I requested it to find out what my blood work was, and it's not a pretty picture. But the reality is, this is this is like this is like such good information for everyone to have, and they really should do it. But then again, that, the importance of knowing how to read it, which right. you can find in in, in my book. book what mm -hmm. I do is I took all the major abbreviations for the major markers, like um, reactive protein, triglycerides. I explain what good and bad cholesterol is. People hear the term, but I explain what it is. Um, I give you all the things you need to know. I give you the ranges, and I give you. Um, questions to ask your doctor based on certain levels if they come up in the test. So it's the whole chapter, it's called Getting Started, is geared towards someone who has no experience in this kind of a thing. I'm truly excited 
Tom, I really am. Um, so especially for my friends and the people that are involved with Fierce Hope, I'm definitely going to encourage them to to read. Yeah, the book. I think this it's is good information for just, everybody. Yeah. Like a like you said, it's not a diet fad. It's not about. I mean, it's about your health. You know, your your. Wedding. I think we should come back maybe in the summer, maybe around the time of your wedding, <laughs> after the wedding, right? But maybe we could do a larger event for the larger Cherokee community. And not just addiction recovery, like on the larger, you mean like size or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to talk about like, for example, like that recipe that we're working on for tomorrow, healthy alternatives for sugars and things like that, that they can, they can use to try and feel better about themselves, you know? So I really think that's something we could do. Cause I think there's definitely crossover for other people that don't identify right. as being an addiction. Absolutely. Recovery. Sorry about that, guys. Man, Caleb's coming strong today. <laughs> um, you hit on and you hit on logging your food. Food, right? How are you going to spend your New Year's Eve tonight, man? Oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Well, I've been doing this. It, it just started because it, as a quirk, my first um, New Year's Eve, I was up in Maine. And I decided to go to, I had no money because I was so broke, you know, back then and stuff like that. But I went up to, the, and I stayed in this really inexpensive $40 a night hotel up in Acadia National Park because nobody's there. And, you know, it's so cold in the summertime. You want to by yourself? By myself, yeah. And then I had started keeping journals. So I reread all my um, journals from that year. And I came up with um, a 200 and I think it's 250 things on a gratitude list that I was grateful like and it wasn't like now it's like back then it was like um my my gums aren't bleeding anymore because I used to put cocaine on my gums and I had mm, bleeding gums. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just like yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not, I'm not in foreclosure. I mean, it's like <laughs> I mean, like you know, major major things, you know. Right. And I still have that list, and so I decided that <laughs> I came up with like my goals for 2012 and stuff, and it was just such a powerful thing to be alone and reflect on on what had happened that year and these journals that I've been journaling ever since. And on New Year's, I usually, not usually, I'd stay home. I'd look at the journals, come up with a gratitude list and some ideas for what I want the next year. And then it's really important for me to be up early to see the first sunrise of the year because I think uh, being there to see that sunrise, it like, um, it's, a, it's another commitment. It's a commitment to live another year healthy and happy. And I just think... Uh, People can give that kind of a thing a try. I live, by the way, by the way, I live a block from Times Square. That's where I live. Yeah. And so I've been in New York, you know, over the last couple of years for some of those New Year's. So, you know, I hear the chaos outside. And the day, <laughs> like today, today up there in my neighborhood, after four o'clock, you can't get anywhere because there's all the police lines mm, and yeah. everything's shut down. And then the next morning, if you get up early, there's puke everywhere. They don't show that on TV. Right. You know, they just show like everybody. And it's a mess. And so, you know, to live so close to chaos and feel so like liberated and empowered oh, in the yes. solitude of meditation and doing something that's good for me is just the most amazing feeling. Let's go around the table here and talk about a um, physical goal. Let's talk about some goals right okay. quick. Okay. Who wants to go first? <laughs> My, you, want, you want me to set some physical goals for 2019? Yeah, let's hear it, man. What are you asking here. for here? This ain't no New Year's resolution. <laughs> this is... One goal or what? Just however however you want well, to share. I'm competing on, Mar on March 30th, so I'm hoping to come in first 
in the competition, the men's physique nice. drug tested competition. Oh, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> it's going to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on March 30th. So that's nice. my. Oh, you're going gonna to kill it, Tom. I seen you in the gym this morning. You're going <laughs> to. All right. How about you? Yeah. Um, I was sharing with Caitlin the other day. I, I shared with Shelly. Um, I, I want to run multiple 50 milers this year. Five to ten, fifty milers, and I want to. I want to do five to ten. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I wanna, I wanna, not only do I want to run them, I want to be competitive. I mean, like yeah, um, winning. When my wow. first one is March second, I want to win that one, um, and multiple hundred milers. And uh, at this point, I just want to finish. Can I just say something though, before I don't to be rude? You win just by showing up for those races. Yes, sir. You well, yes, sir. at you first, you win I in the did. training. You win in the training. That's right. That's Every right. Day. That's when you win. So, you know, it's yeah. nice to come in first, but you already won. Can't you tell? Look at your life. <laughs> you won. Well, when I first started, it was just I want, I want to, I want to complete this. Now I'm like to the point to where I know I can be competitive. I was telling you about this in the bathroom. You know, we've researching uh, the Olympic team and like what it would take. Like that's something. You know, it might be in the future. <laughs> <laughs> By Go the ahead. way, it's kind of hard to find out all the Olympic stuff. <laughs> to Just stay away from the gymnastics program. Yeah. They got issues. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Oh, goodness. Uh, Can we crack so that door just a little bit? Yeah. One of my... Thank you. I'm definitely making this a goal for 2019. I was wanting to yes. do it this past... In October, but... It didn't work out. I want to do a uh, half Ironman, and I know there's one coming up in Lake. Is it Lake Norman? What fifty miler? No, uh, half Ironman. Wilmington. No, not that one. There's one sooner than that. Oh no. We'll Anyways, there's one that's coming up. A friend of mine, a coworker at the hospital, was telling me about it, and then so um, that's uh, just for people that don't know. That's a one point two mile swim, a fifty six mile bike ride, and then a half a marathon run. Yes. Okay. Wow. Mind you, wow. mind you, last like we uh, last December we made a. I told the boys that Caleb was coaching. If they would win one game, I would run. I would d jog, maybe walk <laughs> a a half marathon. My first half marathon, and right. at that time I was like, "What did I just do?" Because then of course they won the next game. <laughs> <laughs> so all them boys, as soon as they won, they're like, "You gotta run a half marathon." And so now, and now I'm I'm wanting to do my first half Ironman, and I want to uh, do my first fifty miler. Um, wow, I'm getting so. tired just listening. That's <laughs> right, amazing. Right. Mine's easy, man. Consistency. Um, the first four years of my recovery were spent on the. Um, mental and internal aspects through like meditation and things like that. And I really didn't even like approach any of this physical uh, fitness until I met this guy last year. Uh, and even at the beginning, it didn't like necessarily cross my mind. Um, but like you kind of hit on Tom, you know, so much of the damage that was done, you know, I can't, is not visible. I can't see it. Right. That's why I was kind of asking about blood work and stuff because like, I'm the type of person that's always had like that jet speed metabolism that I can literally, I weigh the same that I've weighed since I was mm -hmm. 15 years old, right? Like I can eat anything that I want and I don't see the uh, repercussions of that food. So, um, and the, the issue is, is that 
right now I'm a full-time student. I have a work a couple jobs and do this. And so when school's in session, I find it difficult to mm. be consistent. And when I'm on break, like I am right now from school, I'm able to get that routine down mm -hmm. physically um, through like my yoga practice and through like running trail running and things like that. Like I'm able to do it. Mm -hmm. It's when things, when life gets chaotic, I struggle to get, to stay consistent with the right. physical activity. I'll still meditate. I'll still read. I'll still spiritually, um, stay on track because I know that that supports my recovery. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's like my priority. And so I think now it's time to take it to the next level in 2019 and be able to physically and hopefully in part with this book that'll be out in like a week. Cause well, he's got, co he got copies, copies at tomorrow. the gym. Yeah. I have a copy tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, cool, man. Kick ass. And listen, one other thing I want to mention yeah. to you, cause it's free, true for you and anybody else who buys the book. Um, I set up an active sober community page on Facebook. We have the main spiritual adrenaline I'm page. I'm in there. Yeah, he's in there. And then the active page. I'm going to be blogging live on Facebook Live on that page because I'm not just interested in selling a book. I'm actually interested in people accomplishing their goals and getting you know the value out of the book and changing their life. So twice a month in the United States, and then once a month I'll be doing it on, on a time, certain time so that people, because we have about 8,000 Facebook fans now in Europe, and the UK and stuff. So, but so it'd be total of three times a month. But that's why, if you ask me a question, if you message me on Facebook, I'm going to be answering those questions because I really, I want like an army of people a year from now to be like, this book works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this works because I this like way, David Goggins has got going on. This this way, this way, we can go to you know institutions and say, why aren't you talking about these issues? Why aren't you giving people? all the tools they need, you know, and why can't we integrate this as more of a, of a, of a, of a component of, of the mainstream addiction recovery programs all around the country. So I'll do anything I can do to help people who buy the book. Thank you for joining us, Tom. Thank you. You are a badass. Day one event. <laughs> yeah. Tom, you are a badass, my friend. You are a badass. I'm a shame. The day one event is tomorrow. At CrossFit 2232 in Bryson City from noon to 3 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Come out, purchase a copy of the book, get these two to sign it. Do some CrossFit. Do some CrossFit. Meet Go your neighbors. Have fun. Yeah. Meet right. your neighbors. And by the fun. way, and you're not, you're not going to wind up with a hangover. It's a healthy way to start <laughs> the new year. Yes, come on and out. To, it's amazing. And to set those, those attentions and to kind of build some momentum exactly. for 2019. Yes, so. yes. And just to think, you know, I just have to put this out there, Tom, just the fact that, you know, you're starting this big book tour and you, you, you could have started anywhere and you picked here. Oh, I know. That's, Thank you, Tom. That's amazing. Thank and you. that means a lot to us. You guys are great. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Y'all have a wonderful new year. Happy Be safe new year. out there. Be safe out there. Y'all are amazing.